It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Today is Sunday, March 22nd, 2020. On this day in 1971, the San Francisco Chronicle received a strange postcard. Reporters were quick to connect it to the serial killer who terrorized Northern California from the mid-1960s through the early 1970s, the Zodiac Killer. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the arrival of a cryptic postcard at the San Francisco Chronicle's offices. Let's go back to California on March 22, 1971, when the Monday morning mail came in. Reporter Paul Avery had already learned to be both wary and curious about the arrival of the day's mail. A few months back, on October 27th, he'd received a disturbing Halloween card from the Zodiac Killer. The front of the card read, From your secret pal, I feel it in my bones. You ache to know my name, and so I'll clue you in. Then inside it continued, But why spoil the game? It also gave an ominous, if quirky, warning. Peekaboo, you are doomed. It was enough to make Paul start carrying a 38 caliber revolver. Sure, he had a taste for hard-hitting stories. As some of his colleagues noted, the guy was never happier, never complete as a human being until he was on a big, tough, long story. He lived for that, and he did them superbly. That's why he'd gotten into the Zodiac Killer stories. Aside from the fact that covering them was part of his job as the Chronicle's police reporter, it's why he dug until he connected an unsolved 1966 killing to the string of murders everyone else thought began in 1968. But that didn't mean he was looking to get killed on the merit of his reporting. Hence, the gun. But Paul had no particular reason to feel worried the morning of March 22nd. It had been months since that Halloween scare. The day-to-day grind of covering his beat meant he didn't have time to stew over the Zodiac Killer anyway. There were plenty of other crimes on his beat. Still, it didn't take him long to check his mail. It took him even less time to start analyzing what the mailman delivered. Amongst the normal tidbits, story tips, complaints about articles, was a strange postcard. The Chronicle's address was stamped on. Below, in childishly messy handwriting, was the addendum, Attention Paul Averly equals Chronicle. 
the misspelling of Paul's last name, Averly instead of Avery, was the same as the one on the Halloween card. But that wasn't the only thing that immediately caught his attention. On the top left-hand corner of the card, where a return address should have been, was the Zodiac Killer's symbol, a circle atop a cross, and the word Zodiac. He'd written again. But this letter, like many of the Zodiac Killer's missives to California police and newspapers, was more than a threat or a warning. It seemed to be an update. On the reverse side of the card was an advertisement image depicting a pine forest and several cabins, along with magazine letters spelling out several phrases. Sierra Club, Sought Victim 12, Peek Through the Pines, Pass Lake Tahoe areas, and Around in the Snow. This suggested to Paul and his colleagues that this might very well be the Zodiac claiming responsibility for yet another killing, a 12th victim. They zeroed in on one Donna Lass, a nurse who had disappeared in South Lake Tahoe in September. And Paul Avery, as usual, began to type up the story. Chronicle reporters, however, knew enough to be wary of over-exaggerating the claims they made on the basis of a fresh Zodiac letter. The serial killer's penchant for sending coded missives to newspapers and the police had spawned plenty of copycats and pranksters. The letter might be proof of the Zodiac killer's latest move, or it might be just another stumbling block in the maddening road towards apprehending this murderer. Regardless, the papers and the police were poised, reminded that the monster might strike again at any moment. Coming up, we'll delve into the legitimacy of the letter and the Zodiac Killer's legacy. Now back to the story. On March 22, 1971, San Francisco Chronicle reporter Paul Avery received his second letter from the Zodiac Killer, or so it seemed. Thanks to the proliferation of epistolary copycats spawned by the Zodiac Killer's letters, it was, as always, difficult to ascertain whether a postcard was genuine. Often, letters from the Zodiac Killer included details of his crimes which weren't public knowledge, confirming, for most, that they came from the killer himself. Even then, some skeptics have suggested that the cards came from one person, while the crimes were random and unconnected. The so-called Peek Through the Pines postcard Paul received on March 22nd didn't contain specific or unknown details about any unsolved murder. However, because many of the Zodiac letters came in difficult to crack codes, it's impossible to say if the police were missing something in the Pines postcard. Reporters connected the card to the September 1970 disappearance of Lake Tahoe nurse Donna Lass. But Donna's death has never been officially attributed to the Zodiac killer, and the postcard remains up for debate. Regardless of who actually sent the Pines postcard, it holds an important place in Zodiac Killer canon. It was the last letter that was at least tentatively attributed to the Zodiac Killer before the murderer remained silent for three long years. His silence changed everything. 
While the murderer hadn't been caught, the palpable fear that had gripped San Francisco since the first confirmed Zodiac killing in 1968 finally abated. The city started to breathe again. There was still enough crime to keep the police busy, but there were no longer menacing front-page stories about cryptic serial killer codes haunting everyone's morning coffee. It helped that no new Zodiac killings had been confirmed since 1969. In fact, there are only four killings officially attributed to the serial killer, making his notoriety vastly disproportionate to his official body count. Even those murders, while brutal, were relatively tame compared to the work of many other serial killers. His victims were shot or stabbed, or both, and that was the extent of his handiwork. More than the murderer's crimes, it was those ominous letters that had been keeping his name front and center, even without fresh blood. When they stalled out, so did the fear of him. Still, he certainly never disappeared from the cultural consciousness. Since the late 1970s, the Zodiac Killer has inspired countless hoax letters and several copycats. These are logical and terrifying schemes to pull. After all, he could still be out there. He was never arrested, nor has any single suspect been definitively connected with his crimes. In the meantime, he's been featured in movies, TV shows, and even video games and songs, and referenced in countless more. He's also inspired a host of amateur sleuths amplified in the age of the internet. Copies of his letters are available online, and everyone from university professors to anonymous forum users have thrown their opinions into the Zodiac Killer fray. They've decoded his letters, debated the arguments attributing different murders to the serial killer, and speculated about who might have been behind it all. People love a puzzle, and when it's a terrifying, famous puzzle that no one has ever quite been able to solve, it's all the more compelling. The Zodiac Killer is unlikely to be unmasked anytime soon, but he's just as unlikely to disappear from the cultural zeitgeist. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. If you enjoyed this episode, check out the ParCast Originals, Unexplained Mysteries, and Serial Killers, where we explored the crimes and the clues in detail. Today in True Crime is a ParCast Original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast Originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime.
Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Carrie Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Nora Battelle, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 